It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Friend, I'm so glad you've made the choice to join us today on It Is Written. You know, life is full of questions. People ask questions. We, we wake up asking questions. What are we going to do that day? What time should we have woken up? What time are we going to eat lunch? But then there, there are bigger questions of life. What is the meaning of life? Philosophers and scholars alike have wrestled with these questions for ages, asking question after question after question. Yet the challenge they face is often they just continue to ask questions and never find an answer. But today on It Is Written, we go beyond questions to find answers. And I am so glad to have joining me today John Bradshaw, Speaker Director for It Is Written International. John, so glad to have you here in Canada. Really good to be here, Chris. Thank you for having me. Now, John, you are with It Is Written International, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but you've been doing a little traveling lately. Where, where have you come to and from to get here in Toronto? Well, we were just in Phoenix, Arizona. Before that, in, in uh, Malaysia, eastern Malaysia, beautiful place. Um, not too long before that, we were in parts of Europe. So we, we get around a little bit, but the point is not traveling for traveling's sake. It's to take the Bible and share Jesus and help people find answers. That's right. Now. Some of our viewers might be a little confused because it is written Canada, it is written international. There's a little bit of history there, John. How are these ministries similar yet different? Well, about 60 years ago, a man named George Vanderman uh, began an organization called It Is Written and uh, was, was inspired by God to head north of the border, meet up with a man named Henry Feyerabend a legend, a giant in the Christian world, who then began It Is Written Canada. So we're, we're cousins or brothers or, or, or something, but I'm glad, I'm glad we're connected. Our roots go back to the same place. Absolutely. Our roots go back to the same place. Two separate organizations. We operate in Canada for that Canadian audience. It Is Written International has a broader scope by going around the world, but headquartered down in the U.S., just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, with a distinct mission as well. And so I'm so glad that we can partner together and work together to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, me too. Wonderful. Now, John, you know, as we talk about pastors and preachers. One of the things that's very interesting is there have been a great deal of news stories done on pastors who preach the gospel, but then you find out their life outside of their preaching doesn't match what they've been saying. Yeah, that's painful. It is very, very painful. And so I want to take just a moment uh, to, and actually part of this show, this, this show where we ask the question, what is the meaning of life? I want to take a moment just to get to know you a little bit. John, did you, did you come from your mom, a preacher, and uh, preaching the gospel from infancy? Tell us a little bit about where you, your beginnings and, and your, uh, your start in life. I was raised, born and raised in New Zealand. Okay. And uh, you know, so you know, New Zealanders feel a strong kinship to Canada and Canadians. We're, we're both part of the British Commonwealth and we have 
some similar terms and frames of reference and, and we think warmly of Canadians, you know. So I, I was born and raised in New Zealand and, and had the benefit of being raised in a church-going home. Okay, now you, you, you said church-going. Yeah. I, I sense that you're going to make a distinction to help us understand what you mean by church-going home. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to say a Bible-believing home, but that's not really true. We were religious, and we went to church every Sunday, and uh, church was a very, very big part of our lives, no question, and Dad led by example, did the very best he could. But it wasn't a place that was especially... Christian. Okay. You know, we did our thing in church was what you did on Sunday or perhaps on other days. It was religiosity, but it wasn't anything that really went to the heart and converted the heart. We were followers of the church, no doubt, but I'm not sure we were followers of Jesus. I think a lot of people can relate to that. What happens is people get jaded. Yes. They say, boy, this really isn't anything. I go through the motions, but that's all. The motions aren't going through me. So that, that's where I was, raised in a, in, a, in a churchy home. We were proud of that. We were committed to that, but that's all it was. You know, and I can relate to that. I, I grew up in a home where we were, were also church-going people. Now, I know at a very young age, I became disillusioned with the church because of some things that had happened. Where did your course of life take you as you were in this church-going home were you seeking for answers? Was it just something that you did? Or where were you at in life? How did that affect your life? No, I really started questioning young. I was very involved, very young. I was an altar boy in my church, which meant that during the church service, I assisted the priest. Now, we had good priests. We never had anything scandalous take place, and that can happen in any denomination I know, but uh, we never had we, had, we had good priests as far as we knew, good guys, great nuns. Um, most, <laughs> I could I could relate to that. I could relate to that. Mostly, you know, yeah. uh, good people, you know, good salt of the earth people. But I started having questions about what I was being taught. Okay, uh, we would hear various things spoken from the altar, from the, what I guess you'd say the pulpit. But as I thought about them, they didn't seem to ring true. You know, even even contradictory things. And so as a kid, I'm saying. This just doesn't add up. Now, we were taught not to ask questions, sure. but the questions are there. Uh, unless you just flip that switch, you're going to keep asking the questions. I decided there had to be a way to find answers. There just had to be. And so what age are we talking, John? How old are you as you're going through this questioning and seeking in your mind? Well, I'll tell you, I remember being nine years old. Wow. It's kind of young. And as an altar boy, we'd be in the church and the priest would say, um, we can rejoice because granddad is in heaven today. Great. And then we go to the cemetery for the burial just 30 minutes later, and the saint priest would say, and now we commit granddad's body to the grave where he will rest until the resurrection when the saints shall... Um, hang on a minute. Is he in heaven or is he in the ground? How can he be two places at once, uh -huh. for instance? A kid can think these thoughts. Sure. And then... And I don't mean to rag on my old church. Sure. I, I thank God he led me that direction. Absolutely. But then we'd have something like a confession. Mm. And uh, now these were good fellows, these priests, but you know, the poor old priest was propping up the bar the night before at the local hotel, drinking as much whiskey as he could. As he could. And, and now I'm telling him, and he's saying to me, ego te absolvo, I absolve you. I wondered. And then I think one that really struck me as a child, 
praying to saints. Oh. I wondered about that. I wasn't sure where those saints were because the priest had already confused me good and proper. But if you, if you lost something, you were to pray to St. Anthony. If you're starting a journey, you pray to St. Christopher. If you wanted to excel in oh. piano, you prayed to St. Cecilia. And yeah. I was wondering, why the middlemen? Why can I not go straight to God? So, so these were just some of the questions. There were myriad others. And I said, mm, I've got to find answers. This must make sense because as it was, it made no sense. And so I think it's important for us and, and important to share with our viewers, it's okay to ask questions. In sure fact, we should ask questions. And so you're asking all these questions, but here's the key. We need to go beyond questions yeah. and find answers. So you're nine years old and you're going through this process of adolescence, growing up, asking questions. At what point do you find or at what point do you start to find answers? Some of the answers I satisfied in my own mind. Okay. For instance, I hope I'm not getting too specific, but I was taught that if you were a bad person, you didn't go to heaven and you burned forever and ever and ever and ever in hell. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's quite a picture to have of God. If it's an accurate picture, so be it. Sure. But I wasn't satisfied that that could be accurate. Mm-hmm. And so I resolved in my own mind, no, 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 it, it's not that. It must be something else. So I'm, I'm a, in my early teens working through this, and there are, there are other questions as well. But it was a little bit later, through the intervention of a brother of mine who shared a book with me, uh, that I started to read. I was in my early 20s. Okay. And I read and I found, I found answers. Keep in mind now, this wasn't just a doctrinal thing. Sure. We were told... Okay, the message I got was, if you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell or maybe purgatory, which didn't seem like a a, a picnic Uh, anyway. I couldn't be good. I couldn't be good. Mm. And I was, I just felt damned, man. There was no way I could be good enough to go to heaven. And and I didn't like the idea of a God who was going to consign me to hell. So... My search wasn't just for correct formulae. My, correct, my search also was for an experience that really made sense. Yes. Couldn't be good enough to go to heaven. Yes. So, so how in the world do I get there? There has to be a way. Yes. And, and thank the Lord he showed me the way. And that is one of the keys, John, you you talk about this, not just looking for doctrinal, it's not just an intellectual clarity that you were seeking, but you were seeking something. And I remember as a young man myself, 16 years old, seeing and hearing things, but what was actually happening far from what I saw and heard. Mm -hmm. And so what we're talking about is something that, yes, we answer the question that it's in our mind, but it comes out more practically in how I live and how I interact with others. There are a lot of people who have the answers, but, but, but it doesn't transform their life. Jesus didn't come into the world just so we could check the right boxes and score 100% on the test. Yes. He came into this world so our hearts could be made new, so we could be transformed, to be, to be connected to Him, so that His life could flow through our life, you know, like, like, a, like a dialysis patient. The old blood goes out and it comes back and cleansed, and, and Jesus kind of does that. He takes our old life and gives us back a cleansed life through His blood, through His death for us. So that experience is is vital. Otherwise, we're actors in a play, and many of us bad actors. Yes, and so 
you're asking these questions, but you want more than just these intellectual doctrinal answers. You want real life answers. You really want to know what the meaning of life is so you can actually live it out. And you talk about Jesus living through you. Is there a moment or a period of time where Jesus really begins to enter into your life in a special way to really transform your thinking and your action? Honestly, for Paul, you know, he was on the road to Damascus and he traces it back to that one moment. I, th- I think sort of, I think sort of. Many of us, you know, it's a gradual experience yes. and the light just gets brighter and brighter. But I remember sitting in a bathtub in London, England, reading a book. The book was encouraging me really to give my life to Christ. And, uh, and I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've either got to go with God or turn my back on God. Mm. He was calling loud and clear, and I thought, I will take this book. I, I looked across the, the room, you know, and I saw a place where the wall and the floor came together, and I said, I could throw this book there right now, and it'd be all over, and I could go back to my old life, which was, which was kind of fun, man. Uh, yeah. it, it, it wasn't like I had nothing. Um, but I realized, I remembered what the nuns taught me. I remember a verse they shared with us. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? So I could go with God and I would have to have given up on my old life. It wasn't a very savory existence. I could go with God and give up on that or hang on to the old life and then get to the end of the line and say, you know, I don't have what I really wanted and that's eternal life. And, And that's to live a life of integrity before God. I'll tell you something that really impacted me. It's, it's, A little strange for a Protestant preacher, I guess, to to trace it back to this. But something that meant a lot to me was above the altar in our church was a crucifix. Yes. A life-size crucifix. Mm -hmm. Now, it was a pretty sanitized crucifixion. Sure. (laughs) A few drops of blood on the brow, and I remember the little little drip down Jesus' side. Yes. A spot of blood on his feet where the nails went through. Uh, Undoubtedly, the crucifixion wasn't quite like that. No. Yet. Every time I went to that church and saw that Jesus on the cross with his head bowed, I knew he had died for me. Yes. And I knew he loved me. And that spoke to me. I couldn't shake it off. God loved me. Jesus died for me. What was I going to do about that? Wow. I'm grateful if you were to give me a dollar. Jesus gave me his life. What could I do? Sure. So that that really spoke. I was sitting in the bathtub realizing... I can't turn my back on Jesus. <laughs> I bowed my head. I prayed a prayer. I said, okay, we'll do it your way. And what that meant was, from now on, the Bible would be the guide for my life. Whatever it said, whatever it meant, I would go that direction. I'd have some learning to do. I wouldn't get it all right first time around. But if you'll guide me, I'll follow you according to your word, Lord. And he did. That is phenomenal, John. You know, that sounds like a book that maybe you need to be writing, Converted in a Bathtub. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, and, and, you know, and I think it's important for our viewers because I, too, had a similar experience. There are key moments because sometimes we hear people talk about their Christian experience and there's this grand yeah. moment where, where everything comes together. But we have to understand, you know, Proverbs 4.18 is that, is that very important, and you, you made reference to it. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Yeah. And so sometimes that process is a slow process where these, these key moments, and so you have this bathtub moment, shall we call it, yeah. where you make a decision, I'm going to live my life by whatever the Bible says. 
What path does that take you on, John? Well, if I was going to follow the Bible, then I knew I'd need, a, I'd need to be part of a church. Yeah. I had prayed a prayer. I am never going back to church again until you show me the truth. Be careful. Be careful if you pray <laughs> that prayer because God will call you on it. Yes. Say, What's this worth to you? So I realized that if I was going to go to church, I should follow the Bible and worship on the day that the Bible designates as the Sabbath. That's the seventh day. I knew that. I knew that. I had asked that question as a little kid. Okay. And, uh, and even conferred with my mother, who to this day does not go to church. But she said, yes, it's the seventh day of the week. Wow. Have a look. It's Saturday. I said, well, that's different. But different doesn't bother me, you know? Sure. Uh, different for the sake of different? Uh, okay. But, but if you're following God, you don't want to be going downstream if the stream is heading, heading towards a waterfall. So, so I got on the telephone and I, I called the operator and I asked, and this is in London, England, okay. for the phone number of a Seventh-day Adventist church. In fact, I asked for the Seventh-day Adventist cathedral. <laughs> uh, how did I know they didn't have cathedrals, these people? And, and that's where I began. I began with a church that worshipped on the Seventh-day Sabbath. I figured if I'm going to follow the Bible, let's follow the Bible. And I didn't know enough to know all the arguments against following the Ten Commandments. Sure. You know, I, did, I didn't know that people get sophisticated about telling you why it's okay to disobey God, why that one doesn't matter. I didn't know any of that. But I said to the Lord, I'll start here. And uh, it's up to you to decide what you want to do with that. What a, what a fresh experience. You know, it, you know, Jesus talked about becoming like children, and, and that's how children are, you know, uh, it, until they turn teenagers, then they begin the, <laughs> with that one word question, why? But, yep. but, but a, young, a young child, you know, go do this, go do that, go here, go there, and they do it because they're committed to being obedient to their parent. Yeah. And in the same way, you make a decision to be obedient to God no matter where He takes you. And, you know, you've mentioned a number of different topics that we won't address in this show or even in the next shows we're going to be doing together. And so our viewer, if they're interested in getting some resources, they can go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there they can find resources to find some of these uh, topics that you've been discussing. So the Lord leads you to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You begin studying. You're baptized. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, John, because it seems as if your life was not placing you on the course toward the priesthood, nor to be a pastor. So what happens that gets you on this course? Well, like every kid in the Catholic Church, I, I entertained the idea of being a priest. Sure. My dad had seven children. He was confident that at least one of them would be a priest or a nun. Yes. Now, he has a couple of aunts who are nuns, but uh, he didn't even know that at the time, actually. So I thought about it for about, about 10 seconds and I realized that wasn't the life for me. <laughs> and I also realized I wasn't holy enough to be one of these holy guys. Sure. So when I, when I gave my life to Christ and, and purposed to follow the Bible, I never had any idea that I'd ever be a minister of the gospel because that was for the, for the very holy very interesting thought. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, really, after that. I couldn't go back to the... My background is in broadcasting. I was a radio broadcaster. Okay. Uh, broadcasting and uh, assorted foolishness. Sure. Um, I, I, I couldn't go back there. My life had to change. So what I do, I really wasn't sure. But long story short, I ended up at a little, a little training course 
teaching people how to share their faith. And, uh, and there, someone said, would you like to work as an evangelist? Amazing. It, just like that. And uh, in fact, the question was asked on a piece of paper, and I almost said no, because I thought, who am I to say that's what I'd like to do? I mean, that's a, not a delusion of grandeur, but a delusion of holiness. I couldn't say, I'm holy enough to hold the Bible and preach the gospel, but I thought to myself, it would look rude. I mean, someone would say, what's his problem? That he wouldn't do this if we asked him. Yes. So I said, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'll be willing if you... And so they called and said, you know, we'd like to give you a shot at this. And, and, and it was then that I realized, this is what I was born for. My sojourn in broadcasting, it wasn't for that. It was for this. God developed in me certain abilities, you know? Yes. And so now I can speak for Him. Now I've got something new to talk about. And, and that's where it began. There's been no looking back. Thank the Lord. It's been uh, fun too. Ah, that is amazing. And you and I have met several years ago and your journey takes you through pastoring. You're an evangelist, then you pastor several churches uh, and, your, and your experience is international. And then you are led to It Is Written International where you, this young Catholic boy, who hears the voice of God to be obedient no matter what the cost, to follow that path. And now you're preaching the gospel to thousands often on television across the world, sharing the message of hope. What encourages me, God has a work for everybody. For some, it's sitting in front of a camera or standing in, a, in, a, in an auditorium preaching. For others, it's mission work, living in a hut, getting malaria, losing loved ones, that type of thing. For others, it's sharing Jesus in your neighborhood while you work as a dentist or while you are a homemaker or while you drive a bus. The important thing is that you find what God has for you because God has something for everybody. That's right. That's the, right. the body's made up of many different parts. I'm thankful the Lord has led me to what He had for me. Uh, and I want to encourage people everywhere I go to find what God has for them. Yes. And God has something for them. And also, it might be that not everybody's journey is, is the same as mine. Yeah. However, if a person will pray, show me the truth, God will, God will, and He will lead that person from wherever they are to wherever, to wherever not I want that person to be, but where God wants that person to be. Imagine, imagine fulfilling your God your God-determined destiny. Yes. Imagine being able to get to the end of your life and saying, you know, at least for a while there, at least, at least while it mattered, I was where God wanted me. That's right. And you can get there late is better than never. And if you cry out to God and say, okay, what is it? Where do you really want me? You stop playing church games. It won't be business as usual. It will be God's special plan for your life. I, I came to Canada the first time years ago uh, I was on my way to uh, England, as many young New Zealanders leave New Zealand, go to England, earn pounds, spend them having fun, and then you go home and get on with life. We went to the UK via Canada. We flew into Toronto, uh, sorry, into Vancouver from Auckland, and then on to Toronto, and uh, we had some interesting experiences. It's really interesting to know that once I gave my life to God, He would bring me back to Canada. Yes. 
but to talk about something worthwhile. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, we, we found ourselves in some places in Toronto that just surprised us and we said, oh, this isn't where we thought we were and we had, and you know, the old life? Yes. But now this is the new life. It's something I can leave Canada with my head held high saying, while I was there, we did something worthwhile. Yes. God has enabled me to cover some of the old ground, but in a way that, uh, that honors Him. Absolutely. In a good way. And you know, we ask this question, what is the true meaning of life? And I think we find it, and you summed it up well in saying, we find what God wants for us, and we follow it no matter what the cost. Amen. John, it's hard to believe we're out of time. I'm wondering if you would pray for us today that our folks would find what that God-given thing is in their life. I'd love to. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. The Bible says God is love. That's so true. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you that you have a purpose for us. I want to pray now because there is somebody seriously reaching out after you and saying, show me your purpose for me. Lead me in your way. Bless us all that we will find Christ meaningfully truth practically and that we'll find you totally and completely now and in eternity. I pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you using chia seeds as yet in your daily eating? Chia seeds are tiny, smaller than a sesame seed, but they pack a huge nutritional punch. In fact, they are regarded as a superfood. They are high in dietary fiber and in omega-3 fatty acids, which are essential to good health and are a delicious source of protein. When soaked in liquid, the seeds form a gel, much like flax seeds do. You can sprinkle the seeds on your food, add them to smoothies, or make a pudding like the chia pudding I'm making today. This recipe is from the wonderful cookbook, Going Raw, by Judita Wignall. The recipe is incredibly easy and delicious. All you need are a third of a cup of chia seeds, two cups of nut milk, I'm gonna use almond, and two tablespoons of agave nectar or honey, and a dash of cinnamon. So let me show you. Put the chia seeds in the bowl, dash of cinnamon, some of the honey, and you can sweeten it, you know, to your liking. And then the nut milk. You're gonna stir that, let it sit for about 10 minutes, and then you're gonna stir it again, and then you're gonna put it in the fridge for four to six hours or overnight. And then you're gonna garnish with a little bit more of the cinnamon. And voila, in the morning, this is what you're gonna have. It's gonna be gelatinized, and it'll keep for about two to three days in the fridge. It's delicious, and it's also good for you. Enjoy it in good health, and I'll see you next time. Friend, we talked about finding your God-given purpose in life. I wanna offer you the Discover Bible Lessons, where you can find His purpose, for you. Here's the information you need. 
To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7B4. John, thank you so much for joining and sharing your story today. Thank you. Dear friend, I want to invite you to join us again next week where I'll be discussing another Bible topic with John. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm.